Welcome to Digging Deeper, brought to you by California Unearthed. I am your host, Bob Frazier. This is episode number two. And actually, it is officially episode number one, really, because the first episode was just really an introduction on who I am. And so we are kicking it off here with a really cool subject matter. I'm going to speak about the oldest woman in San Diego or Southern California back in 1914 is when she passed away. And at that point, she was the oldest native woman or the oldest woman, period, in all of Southern California and maybe the whole state of California. Who knows? But I am speaking of Gertrude Alto, who at her death in 1914 was somewhere between the ages of 125 to 135 years old. I know what you're thinking. That's kind of hard to believe. It's hard for me to believe too. And I have been really researching her over the last few years. And there's not a whole lot of documentation on her in her birth just because she is a San Diego Mission native. And she was born somewhere around the late 1700s, early 1800s. Those records, if they had any, have been lost through time or have been sent to Spain because California at that time was ran by the Spaniards. It was Alta California. And today I have Gertrude's three times great granddaughter, Cheryl, with me. Hello, thank you for having me. And we together are going to talk about her and her life and her family. So hopefully you enjoy this episode. Gertrude was a San Diego Mission native. And the San Diego Mission was started in 1769. It was the very first of the 21 missions here in California. And it was sitting on the, what they call Presidio Hill in Old Town San Diego is where the original mission sat. And they found out very quickly because of a drought in 1774, that location was not going to work. So they moved the mission six miles away next to the river so they would have a constant water source. The original location is in Old Town San Diego, but the current location is where it was moved to in 1774. Now, Gertrude was born after 1774, so the only mission that she knows is the current one that is sitting six miles from Old Town. But she lived in Old Town San Diego. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you know, Cheryl, on your three times great grandmother. Yeah, so her name was Gertrude Duro or Dura or Durez. We've seen several different spellings. Her first name, she's also known as Gertrudis. She was born, we have a date of 1789, but again, that is up for debate. We don't quite know, but she was born in Vallecito Springs in Alto, California. We do know that she did pass away on September 18th, 1914. She was also so Kumeyaay Indian, the San Pasqual Mission Indians. Who was her father? Her father was Turlaka Juana Duro. Again, we don't have really dates of him. We we show a a birth date of 1750 to a death date of 1798. We did hear a story that he was burned at the stake in Old Town San Diego for treason um, through his tribe, but then was found not guilty. But again, 
we really do not have definite proof on that. That's just kind of a hearsay story. Then later on, she met her husband, Juan Pedro Murillo. She met him on a cattle ranch that was in San Isidro. It was owned by a Spaniard, Francisco Lopez. Gertrude was, it says, several years older than Juan, but they fell in love and they got married and they had five possibly six children, but we do know of five that were born between Gertrude and Juan. Now, Juan's last name, Morello, it also has a last name of Alto as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I have found both Morello Alto as his last name. And so some of the children in newspaper accounts go by Morello, some go by Alto, and some of the mission records have some of the daughters going by Morello on the wedding records from the mission. I know that your two times great grandmother Modesta on her wedding information through the mission is all in Spanish, but I can read it. It has her as a Morello, not an Alto. But then in the newspaper, one of the males, I believe it's uh, Gabriel and Jose, both go by Alto. Mm -hmm. So it's a little confusing when you're doing family research here and names get mixed up or turned around. That's good. It makes it so confusing. But at least we were able to find, or Robert was able to find this information when he was doing my genealogy. So what was the name of her, uh, her five children there? So the five children that we have is Jose Dolores Alto. Then one of her daughters was Presentian Alto. Then my two times great-grandmother, Desta Maria Alto. We have Esperanza Alto, Gabriel Alto, and Maria Alto. What's interesting is that Gabriel lived to be about 90 years old, they say, in the newspaper accounts. And uh, he was the the last child to pass away. And he was there with his mother when he was 90 years old when he passed. I have other records showing that he was born somewhere around 1860s, which would have made him only in his 60s when he passed away. Yeah, we, we have down on, on my ancestry about 1850 is when he was born. Okay, 1850. And so that would have made him into his 60s. Uh, there are accounts of his wrongdoings in 1909 of him uh, brandishing a firearm against a few people. And I kind of have a hard time believing that somebody in their 80s would be brandishing a firearm towards uh, the police. (laughs) But I guess you never know. He was also called One-Legged Gabe. And why he was called that, he he was called by that by the youth of San Diego or Old Town San Diego. It was because he got into a quarrel over a pretty Indian girl in San Pasquale. And him and another man started shooting at each other. He got a bullet in his leg, which became infected. They had to amputate. And hence the nickname One-Legged Gabe. But apparently he was known to be a very good horseman and rider even with just the one leg so he was well known in the old town san diego as well and then the one other son jose he has a pretty interesting story as well yeah so apparently there was a a newspaper article in the san diego union march 4th 1890 titled a murderous mexican (laughs) apparently he used a hatchet with serious effect upon a companion (laughs) 
Last Sunday night, two Mexicans named Antonio Duran and Jose Alto started from Escondido for their homes in San Pasquale. Both were somewhat intoxicated. <laughs> and then about three miles from town, they quarreled as to which was the better driver. During the controversy, Duran, in a sudden rage, seized a hatchet from the bottom of the wagon and struck his companion several savage blows. The first nearly severed Alto's left arm and the second inflicted a terrible wound in the back of his head. At this juncture, Duran was interrupted in his murderous work by the approach of two men and hastily unhitching and unharnessing a horse, he rode away before the two men, before they reached the scene of the crime. Considerable Warner of Escondino was soon notified and going to the scene discovered that Duran had been taken home some furniture. The constable concluded to watch the wagon. Later in the night, Duran returned and was arrested before he had time to offer resistance. Alto was reported last night as being in a very critical condition. His arm was badly mutilated and hanging by a mere shred. Ooh. <laughs> while his head and shoulder were badly cut. It was reported last night that Duran was being brought by officers in a wagon to San Diego. And what year do we have for his passing? We have the passing of 1908. Okay, so he survived that occurrence. So apparently Gertrude had two sons, one without a leg and one possibly without an arm. <laughs> So let's talk more about Gertrude and her age and her life in Old Town San Diego. I want to go to the newspaper article that we have on her baptism, which kind of proves her age a little bit. And I want you to read that article for me, would you? Yeah. So it was printed November 24th, 1911, titled Old Indian Woman Tells of Baptism. Gertrude Alta, the 122-year-old Indian woman who has been holding daily receptions at Ramona's marriage place during the past week, will finish her engagement at the famous resort Sunday. Gertrude is about as good-natured an old woman as ever lived in the world, and all day long she laughs and talks with the visitors at the famous old adobe. Yesterday she remembered the day Father Peyre started the San Luis Rey because he baptized her on that day. As San Luis Rey was founded in 1798, and Gertrude has been on the county book for 56 years, she may be every day of what is supposed to be her age. So that's a really cool article, and there's a few interesting things I want to point out from that article. So the mission San Luis Rey was started in 1798. Father Pere didn't start the mission, but he was the head priest for the mission. And he started out from San Diego to Mission San Luis Rey in 1798, the same year that it was founded. And so Gertrude obviously remembers being baptized by him in the San Diego Mission. So that is a very good point to make because that year of 1798 proves that she was over 100 years old when she passed in 1914. 
I wanted to mention Ramona's Wedding Place. That is in Old Town San Diego, and that is where she, like their article said, met with visitors and spoke with them. She absolutely loved doing that. Cheryl and I actually went down to Old Town San Diego for a visit so that she could walk the streets that her third time's great-grandmother walked. And we went and visited where Ramona's wedding place used to be. And it was really, really cool to see. And so if you guys want to see that, I actually did a video on Old Town San Diego. Go to California Unearthed on YouTube and you can find it. I will also put a link in the show notes for this podcast episode. It'll take you right to the video. In the video, we do the normal Old Town San Diego touristy stuff. We hit El Campo Cemetery, the Whaley House, the Old Town San Diego Museum, and we also go up to the Calvary Cemetery where Gertrude and all of her children and her husband are all buried. But we'll talk about that here in a little bit. That's a whole nother subject that we will get into here in a few. So that is really a really cool article for talking about her age. Now we have a couple other articles that talk about her time at Ramona's as well. And one of them is actually talking about a Indian artist who wanted to paint her picture. Whether that got done or not, we don't know. We've never seen evidence of a painting of Gertrude. So I'm going to have Cheryl read that article for us. It says, Gertrude Alto, 122 years old, perhaps the oldest full-blooded Indian woman living today, has expressed a desire to mingle with society, to be with those who affect the latest styles and manners, to be near and see the light and life of this world before she passes away to the happy hunting ground. She has confided her wishes to Tommy Getz of Ramona's Marriage Place and has asked him to be the gallant and show her around. It all came about when Tommy was showing the sights of Old Town to Mr. and Mrs. E. Keller of New York. Mr. Keller has attained considerable prominence as a painter of Indian life, and it was to get color for local settings that Mr. Gitz and his party went to see Gertrude, who at once made her wishes known to Mr. Keller through an interpreter offered to paint her picture if she would or could come to his studio, which he has temporarily established at Ramona's marriage place. She was overjoyed at the offer and accepted and is now there. So, yes, yeah, so she would go to, you know, Ramona's marriage place and she would, you know, greet the guests and talk with the guests. Apparently she liked to laugh with the guests, which I find that very enlightening, you know, that she was a very kind-hearted, jovial woman. But like Robert said, when we did go down to Old Town San Diego, it was very humbling to be able to walk around there knowing that my three times great-grandmother walked the same paths that I was walking. So with the prospect of a painter painting her picture, I have tried to research an E. Keller from New York. I was able to find an Edgar Keller that was born in California, did live in New York or Manhattan, had come back to live and pass away in California. And the dates all coincide with this Mr. and Mrs. E. Keller coming to Old Town San Diego. Now I did find some photos. Apparently he was well known. There is a picture 
of a mission that he painted and there was also another picture of a chief i believe it was probably in arizona that he painted the portrait but i have yet to find a painted picture of gertrude from an e keller so i would really be interested to know if there's anybody out there who might know of any information about that and that's actually really kind of interesting because listening to the article it sounds like that portrait was done and if it was done, it's got to be out there somewhere, uh, I would think at least. And it sounds like you found probably the correct person. Because how many E. Kellers are going to be painting native life? Correct. Yeah, the, I so, mean, I, I searched, I think there were a couple of Edgar Kellers, but the one that I was able to find, again, he did have a picture of a mission, which that proves he was down there. But again, yeah, it's like, what if, if he did paint her picture, where is it at? Was it just something that wasn't all that famous and maybe it's just been passed down family members i just don't know i'm very interested to to find more about that right or if it's in his collection or if he took or if somebody did a book on him and maybe took pictures of some of these paintings that he did it could be in the book somewhere as well that's true that is true so now it's really interesting and and the actually walk around where ramona's wedding place was was really kind of cool as an old adobe building but across the street from that is the museum and that was a whole nother experience for cheryl and i so as soon as we walked into the museum sure enough there's a photograph of gertrude right on the wall how'd that make you feel very proud very humbled about that knowing that they had her picture and a little bit of history for others to see her to read about her and and learn of her life because she was the oldest living descendant of old town san diego i find that very very exciting yeah no matter what her age was when she passed away she was like you said the oldest living descendant of old town san diego in 1914 and that was pretty cool and what was also kind of neat about the museum is we talked to the curator there at the museum and the curator happened to know who Cheryl's great aunt Hazel happened to be a San Pasquale elder and she did a lot of genealogical work on Gertrude Alto. So a lot of the information that we're telling you today came from Hazel's research. Uh, so can you tell me a little bit about your great aunt Hazel? I have just few memories of her. I remember she had beautiful gray hair. <laughs> she always had it in a bun. But yeah, I don't have too many memories. But yes, I do remember seeing her and and she was my grandfather's sister. And once Robert started doing my genealogy, then yes, we started finding more things that Hazel had found out and researched and typed up. And then it was very interesting to find out that, yeah, she was on the tribal council, which kind of surprised me. I, I was not expecting that. So her name was Hazel Safel Pittman? Yes, that is correct. So while we were at the museum, they actually pulled out a poster-sized frame that one of of Cheryl's other relatives and we don't know exactly the name of who did this but it was kind of like a collage of photographs of Gertrude and her children and some of these articles that we're reading to you today were on there along with a timeline of the children's births and deaths and the uh, Safel family was on there as well uh, Hazel's Safel side uh, they were on there and that's where Cheryl comes from is 
the Safels. And so what did you think when you saw that? Oh, it was actually really cool. I saw pictures I'd never seen before. So I was able to at least take pictures from my phone <laughs> to keep them. And that's where I learned about One-Legged Gabe. <laughs> I had no idea about that. But also what's interesting is once Robert started doing my genealogy, I was able to find other family members, like second cousins, third cousins. And we have now been in contact. I actually found out from one of my second cousins that my second times great-grandmother had another son I had no idea about, which was her great-grandfather. So that's pretty cool. I mean, doing all this research about Gertrude and being able to find other family members because of her. I, I thought that was very, very neat. And I was just looking at that board last night. I took some photographs of it as well. And uh, I said that the, there's a Safel line is on that board. And your grandmother Ida children are on that board. There's one person that's not on that board. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, while doing Cheryl's uh, genealogical history here, uh, we found a member of the family she knew nothing about, and uh, he is not on that board. He was born in San Diego, and so Cheryl's great-grandmother, Ida, moved from San Diego with a child up to Hayfork in the late 1890s. But like Cheryl said, that's a whole nother podcast for a whole nother day. (laughs) Yes. But it's interesting that his name was not on that list. Yeah, it was interesting. But now we know why. <laughs> yes. And if you guys want to know why, leave a comment in the messages of this podcast if you want to hear that story. So now let's move on to 1914 and Gertrude's passing. Uh, it was a very surreal passing. It's something that didn't really have to happen. Uh, she wanted it to happen. She did. Actually, I have another article that my great Aunt Hazel typed up, and it was off of a newspaper article. It was titled, Born with Nation Squaw Fasts Away Life. Old inhabitant of Southern California dies in San Diego, aged friend at bedside. Apparently, trivial illness proves fatal when woman refuses to eat. After refusing food for six days, Gertrude Alto, an Indian woman and the oldest inhabitant of Southern California, died at six o'clock yesterday afternoon afternoon at her home in Old Town. Quote, I am going to die anyway, and so there is no use in my eating. End quote. Mrs. Alto whispered in Spanish to her 60-year-old grandson, Frank Larquet, last Sunday morning, and despite the man's protest, the old Indian woman maintained her fast until the end. Until her decision not to eat, Mrs. Alto's condition was not regarded as at all serious. Her great age, she was between 130 and 135 years old, made her health away delicate but weakened by her self-imposed fast. She declined gradually until yesterday morning. Doctors gave up hope of her recovery and a priest was called. With the priest came Mrs. Yazabel Brown, an 85-year-old Indian woman who had been Mrs. Alto's close friend for the last half century, the 60-year-old grandson, the Catholic father, and the old Indian woman were at the bedside when she was gathered to her people. Yeah, it's really interesting. She just just, just said, I'm done. Yeah, I'm (laughs) I'm tired. (laughs) Can you blame her? I mean, if she was 135 years old. Right, right. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. She had seen life. and So that brings up a good point. Think about the life that this woman saw you know it's incredible we do know that she's over 100 years old that is a fact 
And think about the history that this woman saw over the last hundred plus years of her life. It had to have been incredible. She was witness to the founding and beginning of some of the 21 California missions that we all know today. She saw that transfer of power from Spain, who has been in power of California since the 1500s, transfer to Mexico when Mexico gained its independence from Spain in 1821. And then 25 years later, saw that power switch once again after the Mexican-American War in 1846 from Mexico to the United States. She would also witness the effects of the California gold rush in the Civil War here in California. And what I think is really cool is she got to be witness to the very first trains coming through Southern California. She's never seen a train before. And then she was able to witness the very first train through Southern California. I think that is really, really cool. And then another thought I had, if you think about, she went from horse and buggy to automobiles. I wonder if she ever got to ride in the car. That's a great question. I never thought about that. I wonder if she did as well. What I read to you about her just stopping eating, it was, act- it was actually off of her obituary in a newspaper dated September 29th, 1914. Yeah, didn't you have another article there that talks about her funeral? Yes, I do. So it looks like, again, September 1914, funeral service, aged woman's memory honored by pioneers, services held in Old Town Church for Mrs. Gertrude Alto, nearly 50. San Diego pioneers entered the Old Town Church yesterday afternoon to attend the funeral services held for Gertrude Alto, an Indian woman and the oldest inhabitant of Southern California, who died Friday at her home in Old Town. The oldest among those who gathered was in the little church was Mrs. Isabel Brown, 85 years of age, who had been Mrs. Alto's closest friend for more than half a century. After the services in the church had been conducted by Father Joseph Mesny, the body of the Indian woman who was between 130 and 135 years of age, was buried in the Catholic cemetery on Mission Hill. Now that brings up our next subject, the cemetery on Mission Hill. That is a sore subject. (laughs) Very sore. (laughs) So that cemetery goes by a few different names. Let me see. Yeah, it goes by Calvary Cemetery, now part of Calvary Pioneer Memorial Park, a.k.a. Pioneer Park, a.k.a. Catholic Cemetery, a.k.a. Mission Hill Cemetery, a.k.a. Old Catholic Cemetery. And where is it located? In Washington Place, San Diego. And so why that is a little troubling is because, as you probably heard in the names, that cemetery is now a park next to a grammar school. So what happened was in the 1960s was the last burial in the cemetery. So sometime in the 1970s, the city of San Diego saw it fit to remove almost 3,000 headstones from the cemetery, not the remains, but the headstones, and throw them in a ravine and bury them. There are about 100 headstones that they kept, and there is now a memorial there in the park with those about 100 headstones and a marker with a list of names of who's buried there in the cemetery. 
Obviously, that list of names does not include everybody, and that stack of 100 headstones that they have on display is just a small percentage of what was there. And I think it's kind of sad that they just took these almost 3,000 headstones, threw them in the ravine, and just buried them. Yeah, I don't understand how city council people thought this was okay. How did they think this was okay? I, I do not understand that. And when Robert and I went to the park, it is a park. It's a beautiful park. I, I grant you that. But you have children and people who are running around on dead people's graves. I It just, I became so angry because number one, I was not able to go and stand over where my three times great grandmother and my other family members are buried. I have no idea where they're buried there. And it just, it, it infuriated me of how the city of San Diego thought this was okay to do without even contacting family members to see if we wanted to inter them. I wish they would have. Why didn't they? And after we returned back from San Diego, uh, I found some new information that I actually have a burial location for Gertrude. She is in row two, grave 18. But I don't know where that's at in the park. You know, that'd be very difficult unless there is a map of the old cemetery. And there may be, there is a Mission Hills Cemetery project online. I have not checked to see if they have an old map of the graves. And if they did, then we can figure out probably where about row two is in grave 18. But at least we have a location for Gertrude. And her husband is also buried there along with her uh, five children. And so it's just interesting because even up here in Shasta County where we live, when they built Shasta Dam, when the floodwaters were going to fill Shasta Lake, there was 26 cemeteries that were going to be flooded. And the federal government took those 26 cemeteries and dug up the remains and reinterred them into a cemetery that they built for the pure purpose of reinterring these 26 cemeteries. It was about 300 people that were reinterred into what is called the Central Valley Cemetery or Black Canyon Cemetery. And that cemetery is kind of interesting because on the left side is the Central Valley Cemetery. On the right side is the Native Cemetery. And if you don't really know, you couldn't tell the difference, but the Native side is ran by the Native people here in Shasta County, and the Central Valley side is ran by the county. And so I guess my point being is if the federal government can do it here in Shasta County, why couldn't San Diego have done that as well. I, I probably understand cost and things like that, but you never know. But what's interesting about the Central Valley Cemetery, the federal government reached out to family members asking if they wanted their family members to be interred. They took the time to do that. Correct, correct. And that's what makes me very angry. <laughs> and that's where I think uh, the city of San Diego dropped the ball yes, on they did. that. I, I completely agree. I really would like to hear if somebody who's listening to this was on the council and they voted yes. Why? Why did you do I really would like to hear why you did that. I'm thinking if this happened in the 1970s, probably most of the people there on city council are now buried somewhere themselves. But I still want answers. <laughs> <laughs> well, and what's interesting, like I said, Gertrude was over 100 years old, and I believe one of those uh, reports that we were reading said that uh, she has been 
on the county records for the last 56 years. And Cheryl asked me, you know, how is that possible? Well, because you have to remember, California became a state in 1850. And so San Diego County wasn't developed or wasn't created as a county that kept records until 1850. And San Diego County was one of the original first 13 counties here in California. And so they started keeping records when they were created in 1850. And so that's why she is on record in San Diego for the last 56 years. Before that, it was the San Diego Mission that kept records on the Native people along with the Spaniards in the area. And we do have marriage certificates, but those marriage certificates are under mission records, like I said before, and they are in Spanish, which is really interesting. And so that's kind of cool to to see those in person and also to see them on Ancestry.com when you're looking at them on there as well. So before we end the second episode of Digging Deeper, any final thoughts, Cheryl, on your three times great grandmother? Um, No, I, I just, I think about her life and all the changes that she saw and what an incredibly strong woman I think she would have been. Luckily, we do have other pictures of her when she's much older, but no, I, I think I'm, it, it makes me very humbled too and very proud, proud to be a great, great, great granddaughter of hers. So just as you were speaking, I had a thought of when we were in Old Town San Diego, the curator of the museum brought up a very good point, and that is that they have a family reunion once a year, and why don't you speak on that just for a second? So yeah, so it's called Descendants of Old Town San Diego, so anybody who was related to a person who had lived in Old Town San Diego, as long as they can show proof of genealogy, um, they can join this group, and yes, every year they do get together. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to because COVID hit. And of course, they they had to stop that for the few years. But I have been receiving emails. It does sound like they are starting to get that up and running again, which I'm hoping maybe next year or in a few years to be able to go down and attend that because that'd be very interesting to talk to other people who had family members who lived there and their family members may have known my family as well. So we shall see. We shall see. That very, very cool. I love that idea. Such a great idea. So that will do it for episode number two of Digging Deeper, brought to you by California Unearthed. Like I said earlier, I will put a link in the show notes for the Old Town San Diego video on California Unearthed YouTube channel. So go check that out. So make sure that you leave a comment or leave a remark about the show, how you like it. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. And don't forget to follow me here on Spotify. I have also put this podcast on Apple, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and Google. So you can also listen to the podcast on those platforms as well. We'll see you guys on the next episode.